we, uh, we celebrate the Lord's Supper first Sunday of every month, and we, we've done it that way for years, and sometimes I like to do something a little bit different to, to, to help us connect to it, and today I wanted to do something different and really connect you back to when Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper. And so what I have here is a Passover Seder. These are the elements that would have been at the original Passover Seder that, that, that Jesus instituted the, the Lord's Supper. In, in Jesus' time, these things would have been there. And so we're going to start in Exodus chapter 12, and we're going to read just a few verses of when God institutes Passover or Pesach, then we'll see the connections with the Lord's Supper when Jesus institutes it. So Exodus chapter 12, we're going to read verses 1 through 8 and then 11 through 15. It will be up here behind me. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to his father's houses, a lamb for each household. And if the, uh, the household is too small for a lamb, then he must, he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons, according to what you can eat and shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take from the sheep or from the goats. And you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. That word twilight, by the way, is, is the, the Hebrew word for between sunsets. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the doorposts and on the lentil of the houses in which they eat it. Now this becomes important, so doorposts and lentil. What does that form? It forms a cross. In Exodus chapter 12, he's forming a cross. And later on the cross, the blood from, from Jesus' head, from the crown of thorns, and the blood from Jesus' hands, from the nails, will form this pattern, the pattern that's set in Exodus chapter 12. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Picking up in verse 11, In this manner you shall eat it, with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all of the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And on all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations, and as a statute forever. You shall keep it as a feast. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, 
On the first day, you shall remove leaven out of your houses. For if anyone eats what is leavened from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. So as we see from the very first Passover, the preparation for the Passover is important. Now again, everything that you see here would have been at the table when Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper from the Passover that, that he was celebrating with his disciples. Everything that you see here, and I'll explain it as we go along. Now, the first thing was to prepare it. Now, in Mark 14, Jesus tells his disciples, go and prepare the, the upper room where we will have this, this Passover Seder. So, so it was even important in Jesus' time. And so as tradition goes, because this is seven days, tradition says that the Jewish household, 10 days before this, this meal, the house cleaning starts. And it's a very thorough house cleaning, floor to ceiling, because there can't be a crumb of, of a piece of toast from leavened bread left in the house. And so very thorough cleaning. Now, you guys like to, to give me a hard time about connecting everything to the Exodus. But, but you need to hear this. Jewish scholars and historians equate our current uh, tradition of spring cleaning to this. A thorough house cleaning at the, at, in the spring, which is when Passover happens. So this happens, this, this thorough house cleaning happens and then to begin the, 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 uh, the, the Seder, which Seder, by the way, just means order. So the Passover Seder, everything is in, in the correct order in this meal. To begin this, the father then searches the house for leaven, anything. Now, usually what happens is his wife will leave a few breadcrumbs someplace where he can find them. And if she's not too mad at him, it'll be someplace easy to find. And what he will do is he will take a feather and a wooden spoon and he will go and find that crumb and sweep it onto the wooden spoon with the feather. Then these two are wrapped in a napkin and taken outside. And the village, each village would have a bonfire going where you'd see all of the heads of households going out and dropping this napkin, spoon, feather, and all into the bonfire so that they can begin Passover. So the father comes back in from that and the, uh, and the meal can begin. It begins with, that, well, first let me back up. Paul talks about this very thing, that the father searching out the leaven and, and taking it outside, Paul talks about this and applies it to us. In 1 Corinthians 5, verses 6 through 8, it says, Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So Paul even describes this tradition of the father 
sweep, cleaning out the leaven from the house. So the father then puts on a white linen robe and a white linen hat, like the priests wear in the, in the temple when they're doing temple sacrifices, because the father is the priest of the house. And so he puts this on, and then the first thing that actually happens that, as the meal begins is they're reclining at the table. They lay down at the table. Now, why do they lay down? We just heard in Exodus that they were to eat this with their sandals on their feet, with their belts around their waist and their robes tucked in. They were ready to go, staff in hand. Slaves eat standing up. They're now redeemed people. And so they reclined at the table. So everyone reclines around the table. A meal can begin. And it begins with the mother lighting the candles. Now, if you know this culture, it is unusual that the, the, the woman would be involved in this part of the ceremony, that women just are not involved in any parts of Jewish ceremonies. But, but the Passover is in the home, it's not in the temple, it's in the home, and the woman is a big part of it. Why do you think this is? The rabbis actually don't know why the woman is the one that lights the candles. We do. We know because it is from the woman, the Virgin Mary, that the light of life comes, that the light of the world comes. So we can make this connection. The rabbis actually don't know why, the, why it is that the woman lights the candles instead of the man. But she does that. She, she lights the candles, and she, she reads a prayer, chants a prayer. Blessed art thou, O Lord of the universe, who brings us light and life. So again, we can see the light of the world, the light of life, came from the woman, the Virgin Mary. Then we have the children doing the questioning. This is called the Nishtana. Uh, in the Nishtana, they, the children ask four questions. They ask these questions. Why is this night different from every other night? Why are we only eating unleavened bread instead of like we usually do? Why is this night different? We're only eating bitter herbs instead of vegetables. Why is this night different? Why are we dipping them in salt water? Why is this night different? Why are we reclining at the table instead of seated? And the questions are all answered by the father reading the story of the Exodus from, from Egypt, showing them all of, uh, and explaining what I've explained to you, that, that the slaves stand to eat, we recline. And, and as I go through these elements, I'll explain each one as we go. Now you notice there's four cups there's four, these four cups are related directly to the four promises of God in Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. It says, Say therefore to the people of Israel, this is God calling Moses to go get his people from Egypt. It says, Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, I will bring you out from the burdens of the Egyptians. I will deliver you from slavery to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment, and I will take you to be my people. Those are the four cups, the cup of sanctification, which is 
I will bring you out. The cup of plagues, which is I will rescue you. Because remember, the, the, the pe God's people did not suffer the plagues. All of these plagues, the blood, the lice, the frogs, the death of livestock, the darkness, all of these things only happened in Egypt. It didn't happen in Goshen. Where God's people were, they, they were spared all of these plagues. So the cup of plagues is the cup of rescue. I will redeem you, and I will take you as my own, the cup of praise. So we have the cup of sanctification, the cup of plagues, the cup of redeem, redemption, and the cup of praise. All four cups on the table. So the, the, uh, the first cup is lifted, the cup of sanctification. And it is said that the, the prayer is chanted, Blessed art thou, O Lord, who gives the fruit of the vine. Does that sound familiar? It's what Jesus said that he would not drink again from the fruit of the vine until his kingdom came. In the original, when Jesus was instituting the Lord's Supper. So that one is drank. Then the parsley is dipped in salt water. Now, these are bitter herbs, essentially, and they're dipped in salt water. Now, they're dipped in salt water because parsley is green. In fact, it, it, the, the Hebrew is carpus. And carpus is green, and that means life. It, it, it represents life. Life is dipped in tears. It's not left in tears. It's not drowned in tears. They don't leave the, the life laying in the tears. Life is dipped in tears. And then it's eaten. Uh, no. Then we have the horseradish. It's also, I, I, was telling, uh, I was telling Delaney, this is also called Jewish Sudafed. If you have a sinus problem, come take a whiff. It'll clear you right up. Horseradish. This is, uh, the horseradish is incredibly bitter. And so a piece of matzah is dipped, no, I'm not going to do it, is dipped in the horseradish and eaten. Now, the horseradish is passed around. So <clears throat> Jesus, when he said, when the, when the prophet said that the one who dips his bread after me will betray me, Jesus repeats this and says, the one that, that dips his bread with me will betray me. And then it, uh, actually in Matthew 26, he talks about how terrible it will be for the one who betrays Jesus. It's Judas that dips in the horseradish with Jesus. Then Judas, Jesus tells Judas, go, go quickly and do what, you what you're going to do. So Judas takes off with the horseradish still in his mouth. So the, the, the bitter betrayal that he's about to do to Jesus, he can literally taste because this is still in his mouth. Then, then the cheroseth uh, uh, is, is passed. Splash zone right here, I guess. I'll say it this way, cheroseth. The cheroseth, now the, this is a sweet apple mixture. 
this is then dipped, the, 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 uh, the bread is dipped in the, the haroseth, the apple sweet mixture, to take away the bitterness of the horseradish. Why? Because this is done for the bitterness of slavery in Egypt. This is done because the sweetness of redemption takes away the bitterness of slavery. So this is the, is the next item in order. Now, you'll see on the table, there's an onion. The onion goes uneaten. The onion sits there as a reminder. It's a reminder that the, of the bitter root of Israel's passage. It's, the, it's who they used to be. It's, it's the, the bitterness of slavery but the bitterness of who they were as slaves. So we are reminded by, by Paul again in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. The old things have passed and the new has come. So no matter what, how bitter you're beginning, you're no longer this onion. You're now in Christ. It's, it's really a symbol of new life. Now, after the temple was destroyed, there were things added to this. The temple was destroyed in, in, 80, in 70 A.D. And after that, about t 10 to, to 20 years after that, there were two things added to this, which I didn't bring. One of them is a hard-boiled egg, and it's, it's called the hagiga. The, the egg is, the hard-boiled egg, is to show the sacrifice that they can no longer do because the temple's been destroyed. The other item is a shank bone of a lamb, unbroken, unblemished shank bone of a lamb. Now, isn't it interesting? This was added 50 to 60 years after the death and resurrection of Christ. And isn't it, isn't it interesting that it's a hard-boiled egg, which is sort of our symbol for Resurrection Sunday, isn't it? Easter Sunday. That's how we remember Easter Sunday, is with hard-boiled eggs. And the unbroken leg bone of the lamb reminds us the legs of Jesus were not broken on the cross. That was the norm. It was normal for the, for the legs to be broken on a crucified person, but Jesus was a standout there. His legs went unbroken. And so the, the unbroken lamb shank and the, and the uh, hard-boiled egg are added to this table about 60 to 70 years after Jesus' death and resurrection. Then the second cup is, is picked up, and this is the cup of plagues. Now, this is, they don't drink this. Why? Because the, God's people were spared from the plagues. They were rescued from the plagues. And so what happens with this is the head of the household dips his finger in it and puts a drop on the table for each of the ten plagues. Blood, lice, Flies, livestock dies, boils, hail, locusts, death of the firstborn. A drop on the table for each of those. This remains full because the people of Israel, the people of God, did not have to suffer those plagues. Then we have the matzah. Now, the matzah tosh is brought out. And the matzah tosh, I couldn't get a hold of one. It's, it's actually kind of a carrier for matzah. 
So I've kind of replicated it with napkins. But it, the matsatash is, is a, a carrier that has three areas in it, three separate areas, and three matzahs are placed in it. Now, there's a few important things to consider here. Why three matzahs? Well, the, the, the rabbis would tell you it's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Or they might say that it's God, the priesthood, and the worshiper. But those don't really make sense when you consider what happens next. We can see this as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We see it that way because what happens next is still a mystery even to the Jewish rabbi. The middle one is taken. Just the middle one. Now, if you ask an honest rabbi, why the middle one? Why not the first one or the third one? He'll tell you, I don't know. He'll tell you it's tradition. It's the way we've always done it. They really don't know why this one. We do, don't we? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So they, the middle one is taken and it's broken in half. Well, before I break it, I want to I point a couple of things out. If you've ever looked at one of these, you can see it's got a bunch of holes in it. They actually have a, a, a very specific tool that they use. This is an entire loaf of bread with no leaven, so it doesn't rise. And to make sure it doesn't rise, they actually pierce it. There's a tool they use to punch holes in it. It's pierced. And if you notice the cooking process, put stripes on it. What was it that Isaiah 53 told us about the Messiah? Pierced for our transgressions, crushed for, an our, for our iniquity. By his stripes, we are healed. So we understand this one as being the son. It is broken in half. The, the, the head of the household breaks this one. And part of it, half of it is wrapped. And the head of the household takes it and hides it someplace. If there are children there, then the children go look for this. When the father comes back in or the, the head of the household comes back in, they're sent to go look for it. The one that finds it is, is given a prize. It's a big deal. Now, if it's just a bunch of men, like in Jesus' time, it's probably just placed under the table and taken out by somebody else and given back to the head of the table. But this, this is the afikamen. Now, the afikamen, that, that word literally means after supper or dessert, uh, what we would call dessert. That's this piece. This is the piece that Jesus breaks and says, and as he hands it out, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He breaks this piece. There are no other parts of this feast where the, where the, the head of the household breaks a piece off and hands it out. Only this piece. And this piece is the one that Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper with. This is my body, which is broken for you. Then the third cup, the cup of redemption. 
Scripture even tells us, we, we usually do Lord's Supper from 1 Corinthians 11, and it tells us that he took the cup after supper. Desserts, done. This is the cup after supper. This is the cup of redemption. This is the cup that Jesus passed and said, this is my blood. As a matter of fact, his words are, are precise. He says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Now, remember, the disciples are Jewish guys. They know the words new covenant very well because it's in one place in the entire Hebrew scripture, one place, and that's in Jeremiah 31. Let me read you Jeremiah 31, verses 31 to 33. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. For I will forgive their iniquity, and will remember their sin no more. We don't put this together, but those guys, those disciples would have put this together. This is the one place in all of the Hebrew Bible where the words new covenant are put together. One place. So when Jesus says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, he is referring them to, to Jeremiah 31. He's referring them to this passage that says that God's going to put his law on our hearts. They were built... They were originally on stone tablets. Now they're going to be on our hearts. And that he will remember our sin no more, forgive our iniquity, and remember our sin no more. This is the cup that Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper with. Then we have the last cup. It's the cup of, of praise. And the cup of praise is, is uh, from the Hallel. Uh, Psalm 113 to 118 is the Hallel. And these are, these are hymns that are sung at the end of the, the Passover Seder. And they are, they're sung, and, and it even says in, in Matthew 26 that Jesus sung these hymns with these guys, and then they went to the garden where he was arrested. So he sings these hymns, Psalm 113 to 118. Now I would just remind you, on Palm Sunday, we looked at Psalm 118 because Psalm 118 is what they, what they chanted, what they sang to Jesus coming into Jerusalem. He came in on the 10th day. He came in on the day that the, the Passover lamb is chosen and brought into the house. He came in and they sang this hymn to him. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna to the highest heaven. And, and, and we saw then... The word Hosanna literally means save us indeed. Save us indeed from the highest heaven. They sang this song to Jesus as he came into Jerusalem, and it's one of the last songs Jesus sings before he's arrested and crucified. So this is where, the, where our Lord's Supper comes from. 
I wanted to connect these dots for you because it's easy to take the Lord's Supper for granted. Now, that's the thing we do on, on the first Sunday of every month. It's important to understand how, where it came from. This is how it came. We can see Jesus in every step of this. We can see Jesus crying out to us about our redemption. In the, in, in the Passover Seder and in the Lord's Supper. So we are going to celebrate the Lord's Supper this morning. Uh, I would ask that those that are going to help to come forward. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper this morning. But may we do it with a whole new eye to the redemption that Jesus has given us. Paul in, in 1 Corinthians 11, he tells us that we should not take the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. He said we should first examine ourselves. So let's take a moment to do that right now. Let's examine ourselves before we take the Lord's Supper. reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes.
Jesus said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you. We thank you for the sacrifice on our behalf. We thank you that by his broken body, by his shed blood, Our iniquity is forgiven and our sin is remembered no more. 
We proclaim his death on our behalf. And we proclaim that he's coming again to gather us home. We thank you for the time we have today. In Jesus' name, amen.